Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvroski. Welcome to a bonus episode of Maintenance Disrupted. I'm Rob Kalvroski. This episode was a talk I did for the Mobius Week of Webinars, and it's really where I dig into why we don't get results, why we don't set ourselves, our teams, and our companies up for success, and what we need to do about it. For more great information about leadership, about psychological safety, about diversity and inclusion, about burnout prevention, go and check out EliteHighPerformance.com. And you can also check out the Leadership Launchpad Project podcast. We talk about these high-performance leadership strategies. We have programs and services that cover everything from emotional intelligence to setting yourself up as a 2.0 leader to psychological safety assessments to burnout prevention and even tools like a talent optimization So head over to EliteHighPerformance.com to find out more with that, or you can always send me an email or connect with me on LinkedIn. That's also an option. My email is Rob at EliteHighPerformance.com, so you can find me there. I really hope you enjoy this one. Thanks for listening, and here is the episode. Today we're going to talk a little bit about why we don't get results, and It's a topic and a presentation that has taken me a while to get to. But before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, like I've, and probably for the most of you, the reason why you're here is, you know, I've walked the floors with you. I've worked as a reliability engineer and an asset manager for over 10 years. And I recently pivoted my career to become a leadership coach. And it's really because of the journey we that I went on that we're going to talk about today. And so in honor of uh, actually Matrix 4 coming out soon, I want to give you a choice today. I want to give you a choice to take the red pill or the blue pill. And I'm going to be playing Morpheus today. And if you've seen Matrix 1, you'll know what this means. If you take the red pill, it'll change the way you look at the world forever. It'll change the way that you perceive and you see And you act and you behave in the world forever. There's no turning back from the red pill. Or, if you want to continue where you are, if you're happy with the results that you get at your site, if you're happy with your job, your life, everything about it, you can take the blue pill and you can leave right now. Or if you take it a step further and you listen to what I have to say today and you go back to your office tomorrow or the next day or next week and you don't change, 
eventually you're going to forget about what we talked about today and your life will continue the way it's always been. And that's okay. We each have our own path. But what I'm hoping to do for you today is illuminate the world in a new way. I can't force you to take the red pill. I can't force you to go on a journey and learn about yourself, learn about your team, learn about the people around you and really change not only your environment for the better, your team for the better, yourself for the better, your family for the better, or your community for the better. You have to make that decision for yourself. And that's where I want to start everyone off today. As you can be the Neo in this movie, but you have to make the choice to take action, to listen and hear what I have to say, to, to really think and try to deeply understand the perspective that I'm sharing and then actually do something about it. And actually make a choice and behave differently and learn and grow and improve. That's on you. I can bring you to those answers. I can bring you to that information, but you have to take it and do something about it. And... Where I'd like everyone to start today is just to check in with yourself. And I'll take a page out of my therapist's book, and I want you to close your eyes. I want you to take a deep breath. And I want, to, I want you to drop into your body. And what I want you to experience is the feeling that you get when you arrive at work on Monday morning. Whether that's you're parking in the parking lot, whether that's you're walking into your desk, whether that's you're walking into the plant, the mine, the manufacturing facility. What do you feel? Do you feel anxious? Do you, are you worried about the next thing that's going to fail? Are you worried about your wrench time, about your productivity, about how much production you've had, about your downtime, about whether your PMs got done? Are you worried that someone's going to run into your office and say, hey, you need to go out and fix this right now? Does that stress you out? Does that hurt you? Are you frustrated? Do you feel pain? Do you feel anger? Do you feel out of control? Do you feel like nothing that you do matters? Because it can be a different way. And if you come back into the room with me, I used to be like you. I used to have broken 
components. I used to worry about my GM coming to my desk every morning and saying, hey, this engine failed yesterday. What are you going to do about it? How come you didn't tell me it was going to break down? How come you didn't know? I thought reliability was about knowing. I thought you could predict this stuff. I thought your condition monitoring would have the answers. And yet, stuff breaks. I used to worry about dashboards and KPIs and metrics. What's my wrench time going to be? What's my availability going to be? Can I squeeze out some more product production? What's my ROI of the project that I'm going to do? How much money am I saving my company? I used to be like you. And I thought for a while that it was maybe it was just this one company. You know, we had a group of 15 or 20 young reliability engineers who were all great people and they would do their FMEAs, their RCMs, their root cause analyses, their predictive maintenance, all these other things. And yet we would never see meaningful change. We would never see meaningful results. We would see these reports get created. Most of them would sit on the shelf. Sometimes we would implement some things, but nothing really changed. Our availability didn't get better. Our statistics didn't get better. People didn't feel like they had a handle on what was going on. And after two and a half years of working in mining, I switched jobs and I became a reliability consultant. And I went to 50 to 60 facilities across North America. Some are pictured here. Everything from mining, manufacturing, oil and gas, power plants, chemical plants, shipping, the whole whack. And I kept seeing mediocre results. I kept seeing great people. I kept seeing people who knew what the answers were, who knew what the problems were, and they were frustrated. They were disengaged. They were stressed out. They were worried. They felt out of control. And I wondered why. How could we have so many great people? How could we work so hard to get the results that we get? How could we have such great people who are checked out, who are frustrated, who are angry, who are stressed? How could we get the results that we're getting? It just doesn't make sense. And I did what most engineers do. As a STEM graduate, I thought technical knowledge was the problem. I thought we were missing something. And I took the certifications. I took CMRP, CRL, CRE, CLS, and a few other lube ones. I thought we were missing something. 
What are we missing? And in 2018, I started Rob's Reliability Project podcast, probably the reason why you're here. And now it's called Maintenance Disrupted, and it's, it's hosted by Blair Frazier and Steve Doby. And I had these guests and many more on the show. They're experts. They're world-class. They've written books like Bob and Jesus have written books on RCA and RCM. And I asked them, you know, what are we missing? Bob, you wrote a book on RCA. What are we missing in the field? Jesus, you wrote a book on RCM. What are we missing in the field? I went to conferences. I asked everybody. And the answer I kept getting was culture and implementation. It was never that we didn't have the technical knowledge. It was never that we didn't know about RCM. We can learn that. Most most sites have people who can do that. There was always something else. And technical knowledge wasn't the gap. There are many other webinars this week, many other conferences you can go to, books and, you know, you can listen to the podcast. There's many other things you can do to find technical knowledge. But it's not our problem. And then in 2019, I took the red pill. I hired a leadership coach and I went on my own leadership journey. I didn't know what leadership was at the time. I thought it was what we see throughout our facilities. I thought it was command and control. I thought it was managed with metrics. I thought it was work people harder. But what I learned in this training, what I learned in the coaching that I did, and what I've learned since then in in furthering my knowledge has changed the way I've seen the world forever. And ultimately, it's led me to this point where it's changed my life. And what I learned was something that we know. Technical knowledge isn't the problem that we're having. This study here looked at over 65,000 different entrepreneurs, over 40 different studies, and they found that emotional intelligence contributes twice as much as IQ to successful entrepreneurs. But then they go on further to note where 
the study contradicts to what we see in the workplace settings where IQ is considered to be more critical than emotional intelligence. And we see that throughout industry. We see the best mechanics get promoted. We see the best engineers get promoted. We don't see job postings for leaders that say, must, have, must be emotionally intelligent, must be great at building connection, at building trust, at building psychological safety. We don't see that. It's a gap that we see. And the nice thing about this is you can learn emotional intelligence. Not only have I learned it myself in the last few years, I also teach it to people now. You can learn it. You can get books on it. You can do different exercises that we use. And you can become emotionally intelligent. And it starts with you. And emotional intelligence isn't just about feeling. It's not about what we started off the show with is, I feel this way. It's also about understanding why and being able to change how you feel. To bring yourself back to where you need to be as a leader. And what makes great leaders that is they can do that for their people as well. They can teach it to their people as well. And instead of getting gummed up with the frustration, the stress, the feeling lack of control, they get back to feeling normal, feeling mindful. And then they find solutions. What do I have control over? What can I lean into today that I can affect? How do I become better? It plays out for entrepreneurs. It plays out for you. And you might be asking, you know, how does this play out for my team? What do I need to do as a leader? Emotional intelligence is, is a piece that's for myself. It's helping me manage my emotions. But what about my team? Well, Google did a study, a five-year study on their teams. They broke them down. They had them do surveys. They looked at data. Google does great science. And what did they find? They found that psychological safety was far and away the most important factor in predicting a high-performing team. And what is psychological safety? It's willingness to share. 
It's willingness to open up and say, this is what's going wrong, and this is how I'm going to fix it. It's willingness to say, I'm not feeling well today. I need a break. It's willingness when someone brings to you a new project, a new procedure, for you to say, that's not going to work because of this. Or, you know, it would be better if we tweaked it in this way. But psychological safety isn't just something that you can implement. It takes time. And it takes trust. And I know often a lot of you are going to be asking, this is great. You know, I'm glad you showed us some of the research. But here at my facility, you know, we care about return on investment. I've been there. Every project that I've ever done has been evaluated on return on investment. So what's the ROI of great leadership? Well, what does the data say? If we're building psychological safety, we're leaning into to high trust environments. And Harvard Business Review, this article called The Neuroscience of Trust, says that people at high trust companies are 50% higher, more productive. They're 76% more engaged. There's 40% less burnout. And they have 106% more energy at work. And if where we started this morning, they're also 74% less stressed out. Sounds nice, doesn't it? And that study is not the only one. There's other ones there. Another one posted there. Again, higher productivity, higher profitability, better recruiting, better place to work. If we're looking at engagement, Gallup reports that only 15% of the workforce is engaged. This is a global study. And in the United States alone, disengagement costs us $450 billion to $550 billion a year. That's a lot. And what is disengagement? You've all seen it. You've seen that guy who's grumpy Usually it's one of your oldest mechanics or oldest operators or oldest people and they're checked out. But it also can be you. Because it's been me. It's not that you're grumpy, you just come in and you just mail it in. You have a coffee. You don't really try to push the limit, you just are kind of there. 
And if we look at the difference between the lowest quartile to the highest quartile in terms of engagement, the numbers are staggering. 21% profitability, 17% higher pro productivity. We have 70% fewer safety incidents, lower absenteeism, higher quality, and less turnover. It's pretty good data. And for me, this type of leadership, the leadership that gets you to high performance, it starts with the foundation of trust. And that's why none of this stuff can be built in a day. In order to get to psychological safety, in order for you as a leader to foster an environment where your team is going to be open, honest with you, you need to build trust. And as Clive Lloyd likes to say, trust arrives on foot and it leaves on horseback. You build trust daily by everything that you do. If you truly care about your people, you truly are authentic as a leader. The things that you say you're going to do, you do them. And if you can't do them, you tell them honestly and openly why. You show up and you share how you're doing, how you're feeling. You build connection and relationships with people and you care about them more than just their numbers. That builds trust. And that builds psychological safety. And on top of psychological safety, people start to feel like they belong to the team. I know some of you listening to this, you have a team of people, but maybe you're meh on them. Maybe you wouldn't care if you left tomorrow. That's, that means you don't feel included. Or maybe it's worse. Maybe you feel like they judge you because of something. Because you're different in, in some way. Not only is inclusion a human need, it's also another way to increase a team's performance. And on top of trust, psychological safety, inclusion, this is when you get engagement, you get continuous improvement, and you get growth. If you know a lot about continuous improvement, you know it's about iteration. It's about seeing a problem, making a hypothesis, trying something, seeing if that works, and feeding it all back. You can't do that without psychological safety. Because in low psychologically safe environments, we don't even acknowledge that we have a problem. We make our KPIs green when we know they're not green because we're afraid. 
We don't track downtime. We don't track lost production. We don't track safety incidents. Why? Because we're afraid. And not only does that kill trust in the data, it kills management's trust in us and vice versa. And that's when we can get into a loop, the loop that a lot of us are in. The loop of a low trust, high fear culture, where those companies, they lean into more metrics, more discipline, more bonuses, more frustration, more stress. But if we learn into if we lean into trust and psychological safety and engagement and growth and inclusion, that's when we get to high performance. That's when we get to the top teams in the world. And I think you may be saying that, hey, I get the research. I get Gallup, I get the neuroscience of trust, I get, you know, the scholarly articles, but how does this play out in real life? And this week on the Leadership Launchpad Project, we had Jeff McEwen. He was a BMW salesman out of Australia. He was great at his job. He was the third ranked BMW salesman in all of Australia. And so he became a manager. He became a team leader. He started leading a team of guys and trying to sell more cars. And for a lot of you, you know, or you may have seen this movie, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And this is the culture in sales. It's kind of like us. First prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Second prize is a steak, set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. Coffee is for closers. How long is your facility going to keep you employed if you don't deliver reliability results? And Jeff, when he became a manager, Jeff, he's a nerd. He leaned, he reads a lot. He listens to a ton of audio books. He listens to podcasts. He loves neuroscience and trust and high performance mindset, psychological safety, leadership, all these different things. And Jeff started implementing high-performance mindset strategies. Some, like gratitude. Jeff started implementing and fostering an environment that created trust. He leaned into connection and vulnerability, psychological safety. And it took time. 
but Jeff's results may shock you. Jeff's manager was asking Jeff to get 10% growth every year, to add 10% to sales every year. Using the foundations of trust, the foundations of psychological safety, and the foundations of the high-performance mindset, Jeff's growth of his team and their sales was over 200%. Those are the results that are possible. We're not talking about a couple percent. We're talking about massive results. And yes, it takes time. It takes commitment. It takes a new frame of thinking. And if you want quick wins, you know, go buy an ultrasound gun and fix air leaks. Get a lube card and start filtering your your oil. There are many different things you can do to get quick wins and deliver an ROI. But you won't get that 200%. And so now you know the truth of why we don't get results. We don't foster an environment that sets us up for success. We, as leaders, we lean into technical knowledge because it's what we know. When we should be leaning into emotional intelligence, relationships, trust, vulnerability, connection. But now you know better. Now you're dangerous. And what we talk about here is we call it Leadership 2.0. Leadership 1.0 is the Glen Gary Glen Ross. Third place is you're fired. Coffee is for closers. Metrics driven. Loaf. Low trust, high fear environments. Leadership 2.0 is human-centric, people-centric, built on trust and psychological safety and high-performance mindset strategies. It's the only way forward. Because we talk about a skills gap. We talk about people leaving industry people retiring, and the talent walking out the door. And this isn't in a maintenance context. This 2021 people management report from the predictive index. This is everybody. The whole world is going to experience massive turnover. And if you're a bad manager, it's going to be more than if you're good.
And when we, when we interviewed the CEO of the Predictive Index on the Leadership Launchpad Project podcast, he said to us, he wants to reframe this from the great resignation to the great retention. What can I do as a leader to retain my best people? And that's leading this leadership 2.0 way. And this question is, can you afford to stay the same? Can your plant afford it? Can you afford somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 60% turnover in the next 12 months? Can you afford to not get the reliability results or any results that you truly want? And if we go back to slide three, can you afford to feel the way you feel? getting the results that you get. Because truly that's what what matters here. For those of you who have followed me for a while, I suffered from depression for a long time because of how how my work was. I never felt included. I never felt like I belonged. I never felt like I was being heard, like I was engaged, like I could bring new strategies, I could bring high performance to work. And about four weeks ago, I quit my job and I started becoming a, well, and I became a leadership coach. And I've never felt more engaged And why I'm here today doing this talk is not because I wanted to change your reliability results. It's not because I want to get you more availability, more uptime. I want to create a world where happiness and high performance are common in the workplace. I want you to wake up Monday morning and actually want to go to work. I want you to not dread that day after day that you often have. I don't want you to worry anymore that you're going to get a call on the weekend that something broke down. And that you have to go in to fix it. I don't want you to have that stress, that uncertainty, that you're just waiting for something to fail or worse, somebody to get hurt. I want you to feel like you belong at work. Like you have a team of people who listen to you and value you for who you are. For the gifts that you have. I want you to feel like you can show up being who you are 
and deliver your best work and make a difference. And so now it's on you. I built the case for you. I showed you the reason why we don't get results. And it's up to you. You could take the blue pill. You could go into work tomorrow and you could forget about this talk. You could get sucked into the day-to-day. You could get sucked into something else feeling. You could get sucked into reactive work like we all do. And two weeks from now, three weeks from now, a month from now, you won't even remember you came to this. And nothing will change. You'll be in the same place. You'll be doing the same work. And you'll feel the same. Or you could take the red pill like I did and you could take action. You could learn emotional intelligence. You could learn these high-performance mindset strategies. You could learn leadership 2.0. And not only will you change yourself, not only will you change your life like I changed mine, you'll change the people around you. You'll change your company. You'll change your customers. You'll change your family and friends. And you'll change the world forever. So, if you want to take the red pill, I'm giving away five calls for the first five people who either message me on LinkedIn or you can send me an email to rob at elitehighperformance.com. Just say you saw me do my talk on the week of webinars, and we can talk about where you are on your leadership journey and where you want to go. That That is absolutely open and available for you. Um, if you like the content, you can absolutely subscribe to Leadership Launchpad Project podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We have entrepreneurs, We've had Olympians, we've had business leaders, we've had leadership coaches and consultants all on the show. They talk about various leadership 2.0 strategies that you can put into place to get the most bang for your buck as a leader. And definitely, if you're listening this week, listen to Jeff's interview this week. It was awesome. And then if you want to learn leadership 2.0, you can go to EliteHighPerformance.com or you can message me. We have programs, we have consulting, we have coaching, and we have some other services that we're rolling out in the next few weeks here. Um, but if you want to be notified of those, go to EliteHighPerformance.com, sign up for the newsletter, and you'll be totally aware of all of that. And so it's on you now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>